Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and attention span girl, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm willful and insolent story expert, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Bad Girls, the 14th episode of season three. Bad Girls aired on February 9th, 1999, and was written by Douglas Petrie and directed by Michael Lang. All right. So if you are listening to Still Pretty, hopefully you already know that we are fully spoiled, which means that we will talk about anything at any time from the whole run of Buffy. And sometimes we'll even reference stuff that happens in Angel the series. So if you haven't seen it all, maybe go do that and then come back and find us because it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're not enjoying it, you're not doing it right. So let's go on patrol. Bad girls, Buffy and Faith meet up with a bunch of vampires in the graveyard that don't look local. But when Buffy goes to collect their weapons so Giles can have a look at them, they're gone. Turns out Trick was there to scoop up the swords and deliver them to the mayor, who is concerned that the new players in town might muck up his plans. Well, maybe we should postpone the, the, the dedication. I believe the Honorable Mayor hates that idea. At school, Willow's gotten into a bunch of universities on early admission, and the post-high school planning talk gets underway with Xander holding out hopes for an offer from Corndog Emporium. Buffy is summoned to the library to meet her new watcher, Wesley Wyndham Price. Is he evil? Evil? The last one was evil. No, Mr. Giles has checked my credentials rather thoroughly, but I'm glad to see you on the ball as well. A good slayer. It's a cautious slayer. Is he evil? Buffy reports the sword-carrying vamps to Wesley, who tells her about the Acolytes of Balthazar, a slain demon whose amulet of power was buried with a wealthy landowner in Sunnydale. He orders Buffy to go to the crypt and steal the amulet before the vamps can find it. Faith walks in, sees Wesley, and walks out. When Buffy goes after her, she has no interest in taking orders. Wesley's taking all the fun out of slaying. Buffy insists she doesn't see it as fun, but Faith knows better. Hey, slang's what we were built for. If you're not enjoying it, you're doing something wrong. That night, Buffy goes into the crypt, but six vamps come in and she hides while they take the amulet. Faith shows up and is ready to follow the vamps down into a manhole with no idea what'll be down there when she gets there. Buffy and Faith take on the vampires. The fight is hard and during it, one of the vamps drowns Buffy in a fountain. Because all underground lairs benefit from a bit of landscaping. They're vampires, not animals. Buffy plays dead, and when the vamp turns his back to deal with Faith, she pops up with a sword in hand, snatches the amulet, and admits, that was kind of fun. Tell me you don't get off on this. Didn't suck. At school, Buffy delivers the amulet to Wesley, but isn't interested in his input. She'll talk to Giles later. In chemistry class, Buffy is trying to explain to Xander and Willow about what it's like being the Slayer, but they lack her enthusiasm for tales of slaying with Faith. The teacher hands out the test, but in the middle of it, Faith comes to the window and pulls Buffy away to clear out a nest of vamps. Later that night, they're dancing at the bronze when Angel shows up, as usual, to give Buffy some news. What's the what? Balazar. Dead demon. Not as dead as you think. Angel tells Buffy that Balthazar is in a packing warehouse. Buffy tells him about the amulet, and just then, Wesley walks in with it in his pocket. Buffy takes the amulet, passes it to Angel, and they leave Wesley behind. Buffy pulls Faith out of the group of guys she was dancing with, and they get to work. 
Meanwhile, in a packing warehouse, Balthazar is a big naked dude confined to a tub with servants bathing him, and okay. He kills one of his servants, but there are others. Buffy and Faith spy on them, but they lack firepower, so Faith breaks into the hardware store across the street. When are you going to get this, B? Life of a Slayer is very simple. Want? Take. Have. Buffy and Faith get arrested, but decide to kick their way out of the moving police car. The car crashes, the cops are knocked out, Buffy and Faith run away, leaving them there. Although at least Buffy has some reservations about it. The next day, Buffy checks the paper for mention of the accident, but there's nothing there. At the mayor's office, one of Balthazar's vamps jumps out of the mayor's cabinet and tries to kill him, but Trick knocks him out, while the mayor wonders how this guy got in there in the first place and blames his deputy mayor, Alan. You know, it's curious how he could have gotten all the way into my liquor cabinet. Alan, don't we have, don't we have security working in this building? Sir, I, I had no idea. I, I, there's no need to swoon, Alan, but try to keep things secure. Buffy visits with Willow and tells her not to come to that night's patrol, and Willow's a little hurt at being replaced by Faith. At the high school, Giles is enduring Wesley's presence, just barely, when Balthazar's vamps show up and grab them. While Faith and Buffy take out more of Balthazar's guys on patrol, Deputy Mayor Allen shows up and Faith accidentally stakes him in the heart, and he dies. Faith and Buffy run, splitting up. While Faith goes back to look at Allen and process what happened for a bit, Buffy runs into Angel, who sees that she has human blood on her hands, but there's no time to talk about that. Balthazar has Giles. And Wesley. But no one really cares about that. You know what I want. If it's for me to scrub those hard-to-reach areas, I'd like to request you kill me now. Ow. Are you out of your mind? This is hardly the time for games. Why not? They're going to torture us to death anyway. Wesley tries to make a deal with Balthazar, trying to give up Angel to save himself, but he doesn't know Angel's name. While Balthazar has a fit trying to find his amulet, Angel busts in all vamped out. He and Buffy tear the room apart. Giles breaks free and starts sword fighting. It is incredibly hot while doing it. I love cool, sexy Giles. He beheads the vamp holding Wesley and, oh, is this not the sexy Giles podcast? Okay, fine. Buffy and Angel take out the rest of the guys and kill Balthazar. Well, mostly. As Balthazar takes his last breath, he has a message for Buffy. You think you've won? When he rises, you wish I killed you all. At City Hall, the mayor performs a ritual and has Trick set Balthazar's vamp loose. The vamp takes the sword and slices the mayor's head in two. It sews right back up, and the mayor checks off Become Invincible from his to do list. This officially commences the hundred days. Nothing can harm me until the ascension. (laughs) Gosh, I'm feeling chipper. (laughs) The next day, Buffy goes to visit Faith as she's washing the blood out of her clothes. Buffy wants to talk about what happened. Faith doesn't. She got rid of the body. It's over. Buffy says it's not over. They have to deal with what happened. Faith, you don't get it. You killed a man. No, you don't get it. I don't care. 
All right. So, Noelle, Bad Girls, this oh is the episode upon which season three turns. We get Faith's kind of fall, you know, which she yeah. was always falling. Let's face it. Faith came to Sunnydale ready to fall from grace. Um, but now we're in this space. There's so much cool stuff to talk about in this episode. And I organized all of our notes so that we would get to the best stuff last but I don't care. I want you to talk about this first. I want you to talk about Buffy and Faith and how they are like a gay love song. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so not the first person to say it. I'm so not the first person to see it. But this is the episode where the Faith Buffy queer subtext becomes text. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it's 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 so gay, you guys. Like, it's so gay. It's so, so gay. Um, and I mean, shall we process? Let's yes. process. Yes. Let's process. So we open with Faith clarifying Buffy's position on sex with friends. Right. right. So mm -hmm. what are friends for? <laughs> which, which, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly thereafter, Faith starts calling Buffy girlfriend. Right. And it's really like, kind of forced way it's like mm -hmm. i really see i really see a lot of faith in this episode as trying to be cool around somebody who is giving her feelings and she <laughs> wants to be cool but kind of still having the feelings it's mm -hmm. it's great it's great yes. um but Faith's swagger in the school courtyard when Buffy goes after her after Faith has taken one look at Wesley and turned right, right back around. <laughs> I mean, this is where we get Faith's lines about what they're built for, what she and yeah. Buffy are built for. And if you're not enjoying it, you're not doing it right. And does everyone remember when slang was a metaphor for queerness, like oh, not yes. that long ago? No, we've um, absolutely played that before. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, complete with Joyce joking about marching in the Slayer Pride Parade. Right. right? Have you ever so, tried not being a Slayer? Sure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure I read this as super gay on my first watch through, but it is very, very gay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, Faith is so close to asking her girlfriend, air quotes, to be her actual girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then Faith gets Buffy to jump into the opening of a mysterious tunnel. Oh, with my her, God. <laughs> which leads to a dark, wet place. And I'm just going to stop there. I had never seen that metaphor before, but now I will never unsee it. So there's that. Well, and the glee with which she says, yes. and if you don't come after me. I might die. Like it's like Eliza Dushku's reading of that line is so fantastic. And then she right. just whoosh like Batman's down the manhole. Yeah. <laughs> um and it's just it's you know, and of course then they end up fighting monsters in this scary dark place. Mm -hmm. But the close up on Faith's little half smile when Buffy throws that stake and dusts the vamp right in front yeah. of Faith is mm -hmm. crucial. Mm -hmm. That close-up says that if Faith wasn't already in love with her fellow Slayer, she yeah. definitely is now. Right. You know, and then she says, tell me you don't get off on this. And Buffy says, it didn't suck. And they've mm -hmm. got this, we finally have this little bit of, like, Buffy gets it. She's getting yeah. into the physicality and the the sensuality of slaying, which is something mm -hmm. I'll talk about, you know, a little later. And then... Buffy is in chemistry class, 
talking about faith mm-hmm. and her newfound power as a slayer, mm-hmm. which is a big old metaphor for being a gay lady. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and her closeness with Faith, like she's t- she says, Faith knew I didn't even want to go down there. <laughs> like oh, she, right. you know, she's kind of like had this awakening, this slayer, right. this slayer identity awakening. Um, and it's very much the conversation that Buffy has with Willow and Xander in chemistry class mm-hmm. sounds very much like a conversation that I have been part of several times in my life, and I'm sure, you know, lots of us have been part of, where you've just had this experience, you guys, oh my God, and it was so amazing, and I didn't know uh-huh. that it could be like this because I didn't know that this thing was even a thing, and oh my God, right. like it's got a very, uh-huh. there's this very, I mean, I have had several moments in my life with respect to, you know, not just queerness and sexual identity or or um, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Or presentation, but like, you know, various things throughout my life where I've had surprises that you discover and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know. Oh my God. I like, this is a huge part of who I am, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really aware of that. Like, I wasn't, you know, because I wasn't exposed to it or I didn't, you know, I had never met anyone who was Mm -hmm. like me in this way. Yeah. Um, So I think that there is definitely a kind of queer slayer awakening here for Buffy Mm -hmm. where she's like you know and and Willow tries to bond with her and say yeah I know how that feels you know about Mm -hmm. like harnessing this new power because of course Willow is growing in her in her magical abilities right and Buffy says I don't think you can understand it's kind Mm -hmm. of a slayer thing right and I feel for both of them in that moment because Willow really is trying to um, yeah. bond with Buffy you know that's a bid that's a real bid for connection and yeah. I think Willow has a point that you know growing in one's power feels yeah. exciting yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of what that power is but I'm also with Buffy and that if you if your experience is very specific to some piece of your identity yeah then it is really hard for someone who's not of that group mm-hmm. to truly know you know, what it is that you're thinking and feeling. And then, of course, Faith shows up and, who boy. (laughs) (laughs) That heart on the window that you've seen gift a million times. I know. And then she puts the little stake in it. It's so... Yes! It's it's very... It's very sweet. And and very, very cute. And very Faith. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Team Slayer busts in on the vampires and it's daytime. And then they're yeah. dancing at the bronze in what is clearly evening-oriented activity. Uh. <laughs> and I'm not the first person to wonder, what did they do in the hours in between? Oh, what that is an interesting two question. hungry and horny post-vamp dusting slayers do for several hours in the middle of the day? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe get a non-fat yogurt? <laughs> I love this whole read. I think it's brilliant. Um, and of course, like I'd never 
seen it, right? You know, because I mean, like, a- until people started pointing it out, and then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, there it is. Um, but it's one of those things that I think in, especially at that time, like, the presumption is so heteronormative that unless you have a character coming out and saying, I am gay, like, unless mm-hmm. that happens in a show... The presumption is always that everybody involved is straight. But when you look at Buffy and Faith together, and here we have, like, I think that, I think that the intended, like, the conscious story that they were telling is that Faith has, you know, Faith has this, this passion, this excitement, this she's in it for the moment, you know, Um, but she's also dangerous, you know, she's also like leading Buffy into this place. And we see her going there by degrees. You know, Faith breaks into the hardware store, but then Buffy follows her in. Buffy has questions, but Faith is like, no, this is how it is to be a slayer. Want, take half, right? Mm-hmm. And then Buffy's into it. Want, take half. Then they get arrested, right? And Faith is like, hey, you know, are we going to actually do some good? Or are we going to, you know, let these guys slow us down? And they kick out the car and they leave you know, unconscious, bleeding police officers in the car, you know? Um, So all of these things, like Buffy is by degrees being pulled into this very dangerous space, you know, where, where her power is not being moderated by her own sense of morality, you know, what is essentially right and wrong. Um, And so when you look at it that way, like, that's what I've always seen in this episode. But then like, to have faith be read, you know, like in under this lens of gayness, right? And then the association of her pulling Buffy into this space that is inherently negative, bad, mm-hmm. dangerous. Yeah. Um, as though it puts that that kind of judgment onto, you know, either gayness or bisexuality or, you know, whatever it is, wherever it is on that spectrum that Buffy may find herself identifying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that somehow pulling Buffy away from heteronormativity is essentially dangerous and amoral. And so that connection to me feels like that's where it goes off for me. That's where I don't like this reading. Because because that's where it feels to me very much of its time. The the troubling Mm -hmm. connection between having sexy fun times outside of the box of cis heteronormativity and other quote unquote deviant and criminal behavior. I mean, that is... And that's not unique to the late 90s in any way. I mean, it's not unique to now. I just watched the first season of Killing Eve. I still haven't seen it. (laughs) Okay, then I won't. I won't say anything except that there's I think there's a similar kind of thread going on there. But in which the pulling into this lesbian thing is much more, much more textual. (laughs) Um, rather than subtextual, Um, but also that it is this very dangerous, it's, it's painted as so dangerous and subversive. And, and I like, I wonder about that association. I don't particularly care for that association of, of it being a bad thing, something over which you should feel shame. (laughs) Oh, it's so shitty. No, I mean, that's, but that is the cult of cis heteronormativity. It's, it's interesting to me that this is where you bounce off the queer text slash subtext and it's where i really lean into it because it not because i'm i'm not excited to see it i mean it is shitty this idea that we we take this kind of sexy bond between these two female characters and 
we associate it with cutting class, breaking and entering, mm-hmm. theft, getting arrested. Dangerous stuff, killing people you know, by the end of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, that becomes the message that Faith's transgressive, air quotes, lifestyle yes. ultimately <laughs> turns fatal for poor Alan. He's just caught, yeah. like, he is cut in or caught in the cross staking. Like, Yes. It's not his fault, but Faith's girl power rule breaking kills a man. Yeah. And that cannot be. Like, we cannot right. allow that to exist because we have to wrap this all up in the nice bow of status quo, you know, which is not me saying that Alan mm-hmm. should have died. Not at all. It's, right. Mm-hmm. But it is this. It's this shitty thing that we do yeah. to queer characters in media Mm -hmm. over and over and over again and because you see it so often (laughs) yeah it's easy to repeat it yes exactly i i guess i bounce off of it because it's a huge bummer but it also doesn't surprise me Mm -hmm. um yeah especially given the way that faith is in this like this is something that you will will speak to, I'm sure, more than I am able to. But Faith's role in the story, in the arc of mm-hmm. the season and in the arc of Buffy's identity as the Slayer and what that means, yeah. um, it has to go horribly wrong. This, you know, well, no yeah. rules kind of, you know, want, take, have way of mm-hmm. moving through the world is not going to work for Buffy. <laughs> No, absolutely not. And I mean, the thing is that when it comes right down to it, when we're talking about the narrative part of this story, um, it really is all about power. You know, I mean, this there's this thing that is said in Spider-Man. Uncle Ben says it, it gets repeated everywhere <laughs> all the time to the point where it is this this old fucking saw. Sing you know? it if you know it, kids. <laughs> Yes, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And I mean, the thing is, is that is really true. Because when someone has the power to do whatever they want, then then that is when and only until then, do you find out exactly who they are, who they really, really are. Great power uh, tells us who a character is, because character is all about the choices that you make, right? So the more choices that you have open to you, you know, as a character, then um, the more options you have, which one you choose says that much more about you, you know? Mm -hmm. So here we have, you know, throughout this, Buffy is Faith's Jiminy Cricket, right? You know, she is Faith's (laughs) conscience, but she is getting, you know, and and no, you know, this word absolutely seduced, you know, intended in that she is being seduced into this power fantasy with with Faith, right? Mm -hmm. Want, take, have that's how it is for slayers we are different right yeah, the chosen you know, too. so the chosen too so buffy throughout this whole thing uh, throughout like the entire run of this show up until now has been like moderated by her sense of morality her sense of right and wrong and so she makes all of her choices based on that sense of right and wrong angel got his soul back and she still stabbed him through the heart as much as she loved him, she made that choice. She had the power in that moment to have her boyfriend back, but that's not what she chose because it wasn't the right thing to do. So here we are, you know, she's she's with Faith. Faith is so much fun. Faith is opening up this whole new world for her, right? And Faith is somewhat, you know, uh, corrupting Buffy's sense of her own morality or sense of her own power. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing Buffy kind of fall into this space, and it is only the death of Alan that wakes her up. 
it is only when Alan dies, mm-hmm. you know, that she's like, you killed a man, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and at the end, she says, I don't think you understand. You killed a man. And Faith, of course, responds with the iconic, no, you don't understand. I don't care. Which, of course, I don't think is true. No. I don't think it's true at all. No. Um, <laughs> it's clearly not true. And Faith, uh, what is ha- what happens to Faith God? And this is why season three is so freaking good. Because what happens to Faith is not about being good or bad. You know, it's about the difference of what happens when people are loving to you and caring and you have community and what doesn't. You know, when Faith comes to town, right, she's living in a crappy motel, right? Yeah. Um, You know, she's got no place to stay. We talked about this before. Nobody gives her the spare room. Nobody takes care of her. Giles is her freaking watcher. And he's not making sure that she has a decent place to live. Like nobody. And and she just disappears for, you know, times. And and there are episodes where she's not there. And, you know, but Faith went on a walkabout. You know, she's going off. She's doing whatever she wants. Nobody is caring for her. Nobody is taking care of her. Right. And so she goes down this path and she's using her power, you know, because nobody cares about me. Why should I care about anybody else? You know, and I mean, so we go through this whole thing with faith and we see kind of this dark side of that slayer power. And what happens when you make those choices? And Buffy's starting to make those choices with her. Buffy's ability to be the Jiminy Cricket against the fun that all of this is Mm -hmm. you know how much fun and then when they're down Mm -hmm. the the tunnel that goes to a wet place right (laughs) it didn't suck yeah yeah you know she's having fun she's enjoying it and for once and i mean the thing is like god forbid buffy should enjoy something god forbid buffy should have any damn fun i mean i'm kind of with her i'm like yeah you know i mean one of the things that i absolutely love um is is the love story between a woman and her work and i mean really a love story between anybody and their work but there's something very specific for me about the love story between a woman and her work Mm -hmm. um because i think that's something that traditionally i mean up until fairly recent times women have been denied you know to have a love story between a woman and her work to have buffy be a slayer and when you're good at something it is a high you know when you do something really well no matter what that is it's exciting it's fun Mm -hmm. and I like seeing Buffy being allowed to have fun and she gets that for about 35 minutes and then Faith (laughs) stakes Alan and blows it all to hell and then we don't have any sense of Buffy being allowed to enjoy what it is that she does, even though she's good at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I loved about the show Breaking Bad, you know, is is that I know it's I know it's really about, you know, a weak man <laughs> being tempted by, you know, it's just basically about a weakness in a man. But the, the side story that I love about it is that here's this guy. Um, and so, you know, for those who don't know, without spoiling anything, Breaking Bad is about a chemistry teacher who ends up making math. Right. Mm-hmm. But he makes the best math that anyone has ever seen. And there is something seductive about being really good at what you do. And to me, it is like a love story, you know, and I love love stories. I love romance. Mm-hmm. So the romance between a woman and her work or even a person in their work. But I, I like women more. Um, you know, those stories are just so great and they're so powerful. And so to have this story with Buffy and with Faith, you know, um, and having them love it, I, I, I really Hey, again, like that we've associated Buffy being able to enjoy herself with something that is morally wrong, yeah. you know, well, and enjoy what she does with something that's morally wrong. I mean, God forbid Buffy lean into her physicality at yeah. all. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, every time, to- every time 
there's something physical going on with Buffy, it mm-hmm. goes really badly. <laughs> it yes. goes really, really badly. Yes. Um, right. And, you know, and this is like a super physical body centered mm-hmm. episode. I mean, yeah, faith, this is the most faith that we've gotten yes. in one episode um, mm-hmm. since she first came to Sunnydale. And Faith is a physical being. Faith uh, yeah. enjoys her physical body. She enjoys mm-hmm. being strong and capable of fighting. And she also enjoys food and sex. You know, yes. po- <laughs> I love her proposing ribs after slaying just really casually. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's loading up her giant right bow Mm -hmm. whatever um yeah Mm -hmm. but you know like and we lit we open with them you know the simultaneous slaying which i love so very much and once again there's space attempting to bond with buffy over a discussion of sex with boys and she draws that parallel right away between Mm -hmm. Sex and slaying, and we know, mm-hmm. we know that sex has not gone well for Buffy so far. No. <laughs> it's not so good. Um, yeah. So Faith is interrogating Buffy about sex with Xander while she and Buffy are on patrol. Mm-hmm. And then when Buffy says that she thinks that kind of thing ruins friendships, Faith tells her she thinks Buffy thinks too much, and then mm-hmm. immediately abandons and criticizes Buffy's more like cerebral <laughs> her yes. style of patrolling. You know, and yeah. of course last week with Faith we got her using was it last week? We got yes. Faith mm-hmm. using Xander for Slayer mm-hmm. pressure release. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. And here she's just, you know, delighting in the second of two activities she feels she's built for, which is <laughs> killing monsters. Right. She mm-hmm. is excited about doing this thing, you know, as you said, this thing that she's good at. Um, right. And it's not just that she's killing, you know, it's not just that she's good at killing. It's that she yeah. enjoys it. She gets off yeah. on it. And she's encouraging Buffy to find that pleasure in it, too. And I'm with her. Like, I really, yeah. I'm, I'm with her. I'm with you. I want Buffy to have mm-hmm. some fun. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And. The problem, you know, we talked about this a little bit with the the queer read of the Faith Buffy mm-hmm. relationship. The show wants us to see that as a little extreme, you know, yes. Faith and mm-hmm. her physicality. Like that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, and yet it's it's this beautiful, complicated characterization with Faith because I think pretty sympathetic to this idea that Buffy needs to loosen up and enjoy her powerful position. I mean, she says, and I've I've said it already in this episode, but slaying is what we're built for. Right. If you're Mm -hmm. not enjoying it, you're doing something wrong. Except that Faith's no thinking style is, of course, what leads her to staking poor Alan. (laughs) I feel so so bad for Alan. Um, Yes. You know, so it's this, there's, there is... What am I trying to say? Part of the reason I think that Buffy can't get into that enjoyment space is because we have already cast a really negative light over any sort of physical pleasure for Buffy. That's a really fraught space. No, absolutely. I mean, we're really dividing this into like this this one side. It's it's very, you know, for a lack of a better term, it's extremely binary, right? 
either you're good or you're evil. You know, either your you know your good equals straight equals um you know virgin whore dynamic. You're virgin. Mm-hmm. You if you have sex, it goes badly, and you don't like this. Does not seem like a sex positive atmosphere. Buffy seems to me to be sending a really kind of negative message about sex and what it is for a woman to like control her sexuality Mm -hmm. to enjoy her sexuality and her physicality and especially to enjoy her sexuality and physicality with another woman that there is a huge amount of judgment on that and I think that is all like subtextual I don't think that it's intended but I think that what we're doing again is you know our stories reflect our society back at us this is very much the way that especially up until this time about the I would say the the late 90s early aughts is about when that started to shift a little bit but I mean up until this time we're very much kind of like caught in those dichotomies you know, you're a virgin or a whore and nowhere in between is there any happy space, you know, mm-hmm. or, or even like not even a, vir- a prude or a whore. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like no matter yeah. what, w- no matter where women land on that line, you know, they are viewed a very particular way, yeah. you know, um, and it is almost always both controlling and negative yeah. to make women feel ashamed of their sexuality, of their bodies, of their physicality, of the things that they're good at, of their power, right? Mm-hmm. Women, like at Buffy, she has to moderate her own power yep. all the time, you know? Well, that's, I mean, or she's evil. Yeah. She's faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if, I feel like 90s purity culture really infiltrated yeah. a lot of our media, even. Oh, yeah. When we weren't, you know, we weren't explicitly saying, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But that that cultural headspace was there. And I think it affected a lot of folks who weren't, you know, maybe weren't hearing that message in their church youth groups, <laughs> but still yeah. got it through the culture. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, our culture yeah, reflects us back to us. And mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, women need to master their bodies essentially that women mm-hmm. women are responsible for not only keeping themselves you know pure and chaste and good but they're also you know if they don't they also risk corrupting men oh right is your skirt too short are you showing a little shoulder you know mm-hmm. because men yeah. can't help themselves men can't moderate their own power so it's up to women to moderate like their womanly power, but also to moderate men by not tempting them. Right. And I think it's really interesting that we have this episode where physicality is very much this kind of, you know, theme that's running through Mm -hmm. the Buffy Faith stuff, but that it also extends to one of the show's most truly offensive monsters of the week. Oh, hell yes. So Balthazar is a super fat demon and his fatness is presented as grotesque as a visual representation of his ineffectual leadership and his Mm -hmm. just unredeemable evil he can't do much of anything except occasionally Mm -hmm. you know use the force or whatever to pull his followers to him and crush their heads all he yeah. does is yell. And I mean, I enjoy his yelling. Yell though. and throw a fit. Yeah. 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 A trade. <laughs> Intriguing. No, wait. Boring. Pull yes. off his kneecaps. Like, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy that kind of that aspect of Balthazar. But he's ridiculous and grotesque. And that is like absolutely tied 
to this very specific physicality that we've given him. Yep. Yeah. And it's just you it's know? super yeah. fat as shorthand for evil. And I mean, talk about mm-hmm. our media reflecting our, you know, societal biases yeah. back to us. And then we have this weird thing with Joyce, this like out of the blue diet bullshit. And yeah. I need to stake this so hard. I, I don't care that it was 1999 and I don't care if it's mm-hmm. true to life. I'm watching it and critiquing in 2019. So here we go, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. Joyce leads off with admit it, which of course is meant to scare us. Oh shit, she knows about Buffy and Faith yeah. and you know the whole the police thing. No, mm-hmm. that's not what it is. No, the confession she's trying to eke out of her daughter is the desire to abandon, quote unquote, the diet. Right. The conspiratorial way she talks to Buffy about dieting is beyond gross. Mm -hmm. Because here's Buffy, now a legal adult, and this is the way women bond. Right? I mean, there's no question in Joyce's mind that Buffy is dieting. This is a given in her statement. Yes. Because, of course, Mm -hmm. women who are already thin as both Buffy and Joyce are, are expected to diet because being fat is the literal worst thing, which feels really fucking pointed in an episode where the monster of the week is a super fat demon. He's, yes, but he's a super fat demon. He's also coded as male, right? I hate it. So he's a man. He's super (laughs) fat. We make fun of him. He's a big fat demon in a tub that has to be like, you know, um, moistened, you know, (laughs) repeatedly throughout. Which is just, yeah. Right. It's terrible. But he is not only allowed to be fat. I mean, we mock him. Don't get get us wrong. We're not making him look good. But he's also incredibly powerful. Right? Well, and yeah. I mean, he is. He's got all these followers. And they've obviously are moving him around in a big tub somehow. (laughs) I mean, they've got a forklift or something. Like they are, all of these people are working for Balthazar. So he wields a great amount of power. And if he had his amulet, he would wield even more. Right? So while we mock him and make fun of him for being fat, we are also saying that a fat man can have power. But women, we have to keep thin and they can't have waffles and if they get fat it's the worst thing in the world if they gain a little weight you know um and that what little power they have they're gonna lose if they lose weight because they might not be as attractive to men so the whole thing like is is disgusting and weird and and so disappointing you know because Joyce is like, and Joyce, we often talk about how pretty Joyce is, how young she looks. Boy, there's a woman who knows how to moisturize. Um, Like all this stuff about Joyce that she is, she's so pretty and she's so thin. um, And then that makes her okay. That is why she's okay. Like if she was a woman who, I don't know, hit middle age and gained 10 pounds, you know, we'd be making fun of that. But we call this out. The idea that Joyce has to be on a diet, you know, yeah, because uh, oh, just fuck diet culture, to maintain fuck it. fat phobia, yeah. fuck fascist patriarchal beauty standards. But I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it. I, I hate know, it. Honey. Well, the con- it's, it's the terrible. conspiratorial like mother daughter yeah. bonding. Like we're going to do a fun thing by eating right. brunch. Like and then that's Joyce can't complete. even have it. They only don't have calories if I make them for you. And it's like, funny. Yeah. Like, that's a... Mm-hmm. Anyway, what? 
Yeah. I've spent too much time like being angry about this, but no. <laughs> fuck. But it does fuck but those this. messages those <laughs> messages do a lot of damage. They really, really do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, if you're gay, you're a criminal, and if you're fat, you're a demon. Thanks, yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. So those are some yeah. those are some great messages. So why don't we move on to something that gives me like incredible amounts of joy? Yes, please. Please let's <laughs> Can we do talk that. about Wesley. Yes. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. right, right. Here's the thing. (laughs) Wesley, in the context of just this episode, is just the worst. Like he's he's (laughs) stupid. He's just like all of this stuff. But Wesley, as like part of this, like this is the first appearance of Wesley Wyndham Price, who, if you have not heeded our spoiler warnings at the beginning, then spoilers, um, becomes a huge part of the mythology of the Buffyverse. I mean, he plays a huge role in the um, in the Angel series that starts uh, uh, concurrent with season four of Buffy next next season. He moves over into that and he goes through this unbelievable character arc so that this baby version of Wesley Wyndham Price is not even recognizable by the time we get to the end. Um, Alexis Denisoff, who plays him, is wonderful in the role um i absolutely love him and wesley is honestly one of my absolute favorite characters i mean he really is um so it's such a joy for me to see him i mean in this episode in and of himself he's annoying and simpering and stupid and all of these terrible things (laughs) but for I see the the first moment he and Angel ever saw each other. And when I talk about love stories, Wesley and Angel have an amazing love story, oh, you yes. know, over in Angel. And it's just, it's so incredible. It's so touching. Um, and so I love all of that to see the first time, um, you know, that he sees Faith. And we know what happens over at Angel between Wesley and Faith later on, yep. um, which is really heartbreaking. Uh, there's just so much incredible stuff here. And I love it so much that I almost can't see Wesley just for what he is in this episode. <laughs> well, I am not as familiar with Angel the series as you are. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I just love... I just love this version of Wesley. Like, I love to hate him because, yes. I mean, he's, he, you know, he can't be a rogue panty dropper yet because he is the oh. nine-year-old they just made a watcher. <laughs> like, he is an he's, infant. He's 33. He is he's a 33 baby. when they shot this, but he looks he's 25. Baby. He's so cute. He is. He's such a little baby. And he's so perfect because he's so pompous. Yeah. But he is way he's in way over his head. Like the the I know. the pompous, you know, faux swagger is so good. This character is so funny. His I know. Whole, he's faced two whole vampires under controlled circumstances. Vampires. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, but I love when he and Giles are taken in, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so there they are. They've been captured. He is so ready to turn Angel over. He doesn't know his name. The only thing stopping him from turning over the man who will become like one of the most central relationships of Wesley's life, right? Is the fact that he doesn't know his name yet. It's so funny. (laughs) Um, And of course, you know, as a foil for Giles, he's wonderful. I I know. Wesley and Giles cleaning their glasses in unison 
Ew, is God, definitely in the running for my favorite part of this episode. They really are cut from the same tweed cloth. They really but are. Giles it's has so all this sweet. experience that Wesley doesn't. And it's mm-hmm. so great. It's so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that with with Wesley here now, Giles kind of slides into a little bit of a Buffy role in terms of yeah. how like snarky and quippy he is. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Giles is so great. I love it. But before we get to Giles, we do have a message from the Watchers Council. So let's go ahead and play that. And then I want to talk about sexy Giles. Oh, hello. It's you people again. Here to complain about Wesley Wyndham Price, are you? How ineffectual he is. How incompetent. The Watchers Council is a terrible, terrible patriarchal institution. We're all evil. We fired a mentor like Giles and replaced him with some wanker who has no idea what he's doing. Blah, blah, blah. I truly am getting tired of all this jibber-jabber from you people. Don't we know that Price is incompetent? Of course we do. That's why we sent him. Of course, if we'd had any idea at the time how much trouble he would cause in the future... How far he would fall, how dark he would become. (laughs) Well, we would have sent him sooner. No matter. It all turned out mostly according to plan. And those little surprises along the way, they do keep things exciting, don't they? But really, if it's a genuine competence you're looking for, with no one evil behind the scenes and manipulating everything for their own personal gain, I suppose you've come to the right place. Chipperish media, that is, not the Watchers' Council. Oh, no, we're quite the opposite of that. So go ahead, do your good. Throw a few dollars at Chipperish Media so they can keep making the great podcasts you love, talking about Angel and Good Omens and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars and Explosive Inspiration or whatever other nonsense they're up to over there. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more and make your contribution to the good fight. Supporting the independent podcasters you love so much they don't have to sell out to, well, someone like me. And meanwhile, we'll still be there, in the shadows, pulling the strings, amassing our power. We're always here, and I suppose you'll always be there, fighting or whatever it is that you do. Can't wait to see how it all turns out. Oh, that Watcher's Council. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, those crazy Watchers. Those crazy oh, watchers. Um, all right. So I need to talk about Giles for a little bit because as mentioned, I'm born this way. I can't help it. <laughs> Straight woman, madly in love with Giles. Um, he, I love everything that happens for him in this episode because of Wesley's presence, right? Oh Giles God. is allowed to be cool. He's allowed to be subversive, right? Um, he kind of plays into this like rogue, I mean, rogue panty dropper. My God, I love him <laughs> in this episode. Like, I love when he's snarking at Wesley when he's telling him off. Um, I love when Balthasar says, you know what I want? And Giles says, if it's for me to scrub those hard to reach areas, I suggest you kill me now. Like, I love everything. And that is exactly the kind of line in a couple of years that Wesley would say over an angel. Like, that's exactly where Wesley goes. And I freaking love it when Wesley goes all dark and scruffy. But that's another show. So we'll talk about that. Go listen to Still Dead. You want to talk about that? Um Giles sword fighting when he grabs it because usually what happens what happens every time Giles is in a fight oh my knocked God. out right yep, unconscious because we can't have because we can't have a man 
be less powerful than Buffy. So he has to be unconscious, right? Um, but now, because we've got this whole big fight going on, Giles takes the sword, flips it around, does this whole thing. And then I love this moment. The, the vamp has Wesley, right? And Giles says, you know, duck or something like that. And Wesley instantly does working with him, mm-hmm. not being like, no, what, what are you talking about? What, what, you know, he knows what he's doing. So you see Wesley's tiny little bit of competence, tiny little bit. I mean, it's mostly, you know, riding on Giles's competence, but whatever. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Giles with that sword, I got to say, I had to take a moment. It was really, it was really nice. Just take a moment. We'll just like gather ourselves after. Just have to, have to sigh a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was good. But talk about like integrating parts of yourself, right? Because Giles, Mm -hmm. Giles, the, the watcher, Giles, the, you know, paranormal metaphysical knowledge guy, Giles, who was Ripper, who kind of is way more kick-ass and, you know, sword wielding Mm -hmm. and like, Giles is able to, you know, merge all of these things, you know, all of these parts of himself without it being disastrous, probably because Mm -hmm. he's not a teenage girl, like probably because he's not the slayer. Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to me that that very binary, as you said earlier, it's very black or Mm -hmm. white, like she's either with faith and all in on want, take, have or she's following the rules mm-hmm. um and it's i guess it's it's meant to be true to life in that coming of age sort of who am i what do mm-hmm. i want to do in the world sort of way but it's interesting that it's completely seamless for giles because of course yes he's, you know he's not the titular character he's a man yes. he has all of mm-hmm. this you know <laughs> he's he's got all of this ease with which he can move through the world that buffy doesn't have mm-hmm. um yeah. and i don't know you know really where i'm going with that other than <laughs> isn't it interesting that <laughs> yes well giles makes you swoon too just admit it just admit it oh no i have admitted it on Miss this very everybody. show more everybody than everybody i know there's this point where the mayor's like there's no need to swoon out and i'm like no there is a need to swoon there is a need to swim. Um, but also one of the other things I love in this, though, is the moment where Balthazar is throwing his fit. Balthazar also, by the way, played by Christian Clemenson, who is Abel Kuntz from Veronica Mars. For any of you who are like, who is that guy? You know, uh, that's that guy. Um, but he's throwing his fit. And he says, what is this man's name? And then Angel comes in, vamped out, trench coat flying behind him, says his name is Angel. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love that moment. <laughs> This whole fight for me was just adorable. And I love so much that we gave Giles his competence back. Now that he can be subversive, we didn't knock him out. It's wonderful. I like to see a fight where we get some characterization. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not sure I've talked about this on Still Pretty before, but mm-hmm. it's a problem I run into watching fight scenes in any sort of visual media because it often seems like, okay, we're going to stop the story and have a fight scene and watch people you know, yes. punch and kick each other. Mm-hmm. And because we have one stunt coordinator on set or one fight choreographer mm-hmm. on set, everybody kind of fights the same way. And it's yeah. like everybody took mm-hmm. the same martial arts class. And, you know, okay, like that's interesting. And it's nice to watch human bodies, you know, do the cool things that human bodies can do. But I love a fight where we advance the story 
in some really meaningful way yes. or we mm-hmm. we see who a character is because of how they fight. I mean, I talked about mm-hmm. that moment um with Faith earlier where Buffy's competence is a huge like just lights faith up and we get a close up on her face to make yeah. sure that we know that that she sees that and responds to it and here you know with Giles and Wesley and the way they are starting to work together even though they're not really mm-hmm. working together it yeah. shows up in the fight scene and that is mm-hmm. really really refreshing to see um i'm going to have to watch more for how characters fight <laughs> yes. versus, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like what's going on because it does, sometimes it does seem like, you know, vamps rise and they all, you know, now know mixed martial arts because that just comes right. with being a vampire, <laughs> I guess. Comes standard with the vampire software. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just installed. That's mm-hmm. factory installed. When yeah. you get. But yeah. to see character, growth or story development through mm-hmm. fight sequences it's nice is yeah, really great like it. yeah mm-hmm. speaking of fighting um yes you know we you have talked lots of times about a good love story being people who work well together yeah and we mm-hmm. see buffy and faith working together mm-hmm. when they're they are you know they're going down the alley and they're <laughs> Taken Balthazar's vamps one at a time. <laughs> yeah, which I love yeah. that Faith even calls it out. I'm like, yeah, she's like, yeah, it'll be easy if they just keep coming one at a time. They clearly <laughs> have they have this system where mm-hmm. you know one of them one of them moves forward and then stake and then you know the other one and it's great. And then of course, Alan throws that off and Buffy realizes mm-hmm. and says, Faith, no. And then Faith can't stop and stakes him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man! I'm so sad to see Alan go. Like I feel, I know, I, I love him, and I wonder, like, what just from a from a writing standpoint, like, what is he doing there? Why is he in the alley? Oh gosh, I don't even know. Like, why is you know, like, is he is he going to see them? I think he's like, I think he's going to try to talk to them or get some help or warn them about the mayor or something because I think he's he's freaked out earlier in the earlier scene with the mayor where he's talking about the ascension yeah I think that he was going to find them to talk to them and let them know what's going on with the mayor I kind of think yeah because I mean are we supposed to believe that Alan let um Vincent into the mayor's office mm-hmm. and hit him in that yeah. cupboard or like because is... the mayor was the mayor, you know, kind of threw that accusation out of Alan. And I am fairly certain that there are people listening right now who are shouting at me like, don't you know? Because I think that somewhere later on there is a mention of that he was going to try to find Buffy and Faith and try to talk to them or whatever. Um, I think there was a, but I don't know, I don't remember if that was a mention textually or if this was something that somebody suggested extra textually. I cannot remember all of the details. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) There are a lot of details. there are a lot of details to remember, um, and it's been a little while since I've revisited season three. But um, but I think that there's something like that going on, you know. Um, but yeah, like the, there's a big question. What was he doing there? Yeah. You know, be- why was he out there? Because Alan always seems so uncomfortable 
yeah, with what's going on. Like, and I just, mm-hmm. I want to know, I'm sure there's fan fiction, but I was going to say, I want to know his story. Like, I want to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, no, I'm sure there's fan fiction. <laughs> How did Alan get that job <laughs> working for the mayor? And like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, so you get a job and then you go in and your boss has like a cabinet full of what? Oh, come on. Everybody's and, had like, that experience. <laughs> weapons and sanitizing wipes. <laughs> Yeah, and sanitizing wipes. I know. Oh, God, and I love the mayor. I love the mayor so much. I love that he says chipper. Yes. Every now and again, somebody on in the Buffyverse will drop chipper. And uh, and every time they do, I feel like they're just reaching forward in time to say hi to me. You know, I, I can make it all about me. I think that's fine. <laughs> that's exactly. And that is exactly how media works, too. It is. A- that is exactly how media works. Yes. So, um, yeah, the mayor is this is where I start to delight in the mayor. And I also love that moment, too, where he's like where he's in the middle of the um, the invincibility ritual. You know, he finishes that up and he's like, well, I'm really surprised that Alan wasn't here. He's usually so punctual, you know, and it's kind of sad. Like, you know, like I get a sense that he has an affection for Alan, you know. Um, But now, of course, we see that he is invincible. Um, which is really fun because it kind of like we've seen the mayor and we know that he's been kind of behind stuff. We haven't really had a sense of him being truly dangerous or truly focused like we've you know we've had hints of it but at this point you know he's got his little checklist become invincible you know um and uh and he's got a hundred days until the ascension which sounds you know very dangerous um so i love the way that i love the way that we're ramping everything up you know at this point and this is the midpoint of the season this is when you got to ramp it up yeah you know so i really like that we're kind of turning this and now with faith's turn you know, um, to the to the dark side, yeah. so to speak. Uh, it's it's this the ride down into the finale from here is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, what is it again, story wise? Like, what yes. is going on with Faith here? Because we see it represented visually pretty well, but mm-hmm. what I feel like something happened with her off camera. Well we were spending time with other characters because we see her, she goes back to mm-hmm. visit Alan, which is yes. so heartbreaking oh, God. and yeah. gut-wrenching. And then she's washing the blood out of her clothes. when because yeah, she got rid of his body. Yeah. She went and dumped it in the in the water. As we all know in the Buffyverse, if you dump a body in the water, it will never resurface. Right. Um, <laughs> Because that never happens. Right. That always happens right. every time. Um, Sunnydale has yeah, a river so, also. Right. Faith exactly. Sunnydale to... has a river. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but like, I'm just, I'm fascinated by what appears to be a really quick turn for Faith. Right. I don't think it's a quick turn. I think that we've kind of been leading to this all along that Faith is the, um, is the seductive dark side of slayer power you know um and the thing is that when it comes right down to it like we saw the episode you know in the wish earlier that like what happened to buffy Mm -hmm. when buffy didn't have the love of a community caring for her the way that she did in sunnydale when she went to cleveland to that hellmouth, uh she became dark and scarred and um and angry all of those things right she became not a million miles away from faith right right um so we see also that Faith, we've been building this up with Faith in that nobody's taking care of her. 
You know, yeah. everybody's taking care of Buffy. People love Buffy, right? Buffy has family. Buffy has a mom. Buffy has Giles. Buffy has everybody, mm-hmm. right? Faith has nothing. And nobody is taking care of Faith. Faith is taking care of herself. So in this moment where Faith has made this horrible mistake, she didn't mean to do. She mm-hmm. didn't mean to to stab him, you know, to stake him in the heart, to stake a human in the heart. But she did. And the thing is that as soon as that happens, the knowledge that Faith has always had, which is these people are here for Buffy. They're not here for me. I'm here for me. Mm-hmm. How am I going to protect myself? Buffy's response is, we got to talk to Giles. You know, we got to yeah. find out what's going on. Like, we got to get help, whatever. And Faith is like, no. So we have this thing at the end. And Faith, too. Like, Faith never tells the truth. You know, um, when Buffy has tried to reach out to Faith and Faith has felt shut off, Faith shuts down Buffy. You know, even when we know we can see that she wants that bid for connection, but mm-hmm. she just will not allow herself to be vulnerable enough to reach for it. Because what if she reaches for it and nobody reaches back to her? Mm-hmm. She's been having that experience this whole time. Right. You know, um, so now we have Faith, you know, in this moment, knowing that nobody's going to take care of her. She's going to take care of herself. So she's shutting everybody down, you know, and she's going to she's got rid of the body by herself, right? While everybody else was in community fighting Balthazar, saving Giles and Wesley, Faith was back at Allen, you know, facing what she'd done and doing something about it to protect herself. And once she'd made that choice, you don't go back. Right. You know, she got rid of the body. So, um, so I think that all of that put together, I don't think that this is a sudden turn for Faith. I think this is something that we had been building up all along. Okay. I guess maybe maybe it's just that I really love Faith as a character and I wish that we got more of her on screen because it seems oh, like yeah. so much of her story is implied. Yes, absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. And I love Faith, too. Like, I think that Faith is a fantastic character. And I think that our willingness so quickly to define her as bad, right? you know, um, as opposed to somebody who just was not cared for yeah i mean she's a child like that's she something that 17. doesn't come up like yeah. ever ever mm-hmm. it comes up yeah with buffy about herself you know buffy has a lot yeah. of focus on her age and where she is in her life yeah. you know in comparison to her peers i mean we see her at school sitting around you know willow's got all of her early admissions packets from various colleges and you know they're sitting there with oz and xander and talking about life after high school and buffy is part of that conversation even though she Uh is the slayer Mm -hmm. but where she is you know among her age peers is very important to her it's been important to her all along you know yeah she says to giles i'm 16 i don't want to die like it's right she she is very much aware of how young she really is mm-hmm. we never get that conversation with or about faith no and no, because Faith is a bad girl. And bad girls. Faith is, yeah, bad. Faith is a girl in charge of herself, in charge of her physicality, in charge of her sexuality. Like she is, I mean, the title of it, Bad Girls. Right. 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 First of all, it's Bad Girls. I mean, okay, there are some things. They did break into, I was like, well, you know, they did break into the Harper they, store. They yeah, did steal did, the stuff. And they did cause stuff. the accident. They did cause the accident with the with the cops. So, I mean, there is a lot of bad stuff that they did, I guess. I guess, you know, but uh, but the idea of of the lost bad girl, 
you know, that she's just not worth saving, that she's not worth, I don't know, well, and the, caring for. Yeah, and that the cost of your, you know, your, your sense of self, the cost of your yeah. sexual freedom, the cost of your swagger yeah. is you got to be alone. Yeah, You don't exactly. get community. You give that no. up when you decide to be this quote unquote bad girl. When you decide to right. take one look at the new watcher and say, screw that and walk out the door. <laughs> the- exactly. Exactly. Resisting patriarchal power. That's another one. Yeah. You're not allowed to do those things as a woman. A lot of the things that faith that gets associated with faith under the, you know, the umbrella of bad is not bad things. Right. She's just in charge of herself and she's not going to let anybody tell her how to live or how to be right, you know, but she's not necessarily like a bad person. And that's the thing that makes this story arc for the season so heartbreaking. Because what is it that the mayor gives faith? Oh, my God. Love. And a he home. gives her love. Yeah. A home. Their little family yeah. unit that they form yeah. is so mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Yeah, it really, really is. And I mean, that's one of the things about this season that I think makes it, I mean, a lot of people, when they talk about Buffy, their favorite season is season three. And I think that there's a really good reason for that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very complicated. It's very interesting. And in the end, the villain, the mayor is the one who is able to give faith the one thing that none of our good guys would give her. Mm -hmm. That is love, security, caring, Yep. you know, gentleness, Mm -hmm. vulnerability, like all of that. They gave, like, she got that from the villain. She didn't get that from the quote-unquote good guys. And I think that that's a question that we're not interested in really asking or exploring in this season, right. but it's very clearly textually there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that's there that we're not interested in <laughs> exploring. We're just going to... That's very true, we're just put it but there I got to say... But yeah, but that feels I gotta like gotta a say, big that gay one. subtext is pretty cool, though. <laughs> How about that gay subtext becoming text? How about that gay subtext? I love it. I love it. All right. So I don't know. What do we have for um, any of our standard stuff? What are you wearing this week? Any of our standard stuff? I don't have a whole lot for, you know, I'm... I'm trying to not just squee over the 90s fashion-ness of Buffy because, like, it's wonderful and every, probably every other episode something will show up and I'll be like, oh, I had that. You know, Ah, I had those pants or I had those, you know, those butterfly Mm -hmm. clips, which, of course, everybody had. Um, But, no, this... I'm I'm trying to to hone in more on like meaningful choices in yes. wardrobe mm-hmm. and we get a little one with Willow wearing her kind of red cross sweater when she's yeah. mm-hmm. delivering her protection spell to Buffy which we yeah. didn't talk about that rift that friendship we didn't talk about rift. that yeah ouch i mean yeah. poor willow I know. Oh. And she made her the the protection spell and then when Buffy goes off with Faith Willow's uh-huh. like stupid. That moment, you know, and the thing is, is it's so not. It's so sweet. Brutal. It's so heartbreaking. It's so brutal. She just, and it's, and it frustrates me because, like, you know, Buffy says, "Oh, it's too dangerous." You know, we can't. Yeah. You know, it's too dangerous. You can't do that. And Willow says, "I faced things like this before," and I'm like, "Yeah, like literally last episode, like last <laughs> week, right? Like, exactly. Literally." So. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, guys. Yeah. But 
Yeah, but Willow. So Willow in her like sweet, her she's the healer of the group with yeah. her little, you know, lavender scented protection spells. I'm just like, oh, yeah. And of course, you know, of course, Buffy and Faith look fantastic. I love, uh-huh. I love the the seamlessness of their jackets over tank tops yes. so they leave the school mm-hmm. it's daytime they've got their jackets on and then we see them at the bronze and they've got you know it's the same it's the same costumes it's the same day mm-hmm. but with the you know the sleevelessness and the strobe lights it looks great it's yeah you know great great choice there and buffy's outfit at the end when she comes to visit faith what like what she looks like <laughs> Like, how conservative did they want her to look? Because she really looks oh like, God, like no. she looks like she's on her way to like a young Republicans convention. <laughs> yes, so, no, she really does. She's so she really does, and in the very innocent light blue, right? Mm-hmm. Because that is like the the peak of our innocence for Buffy is that light blue, mm-hmm. that powder blue, and there she is in that matching set. You know, yeah, yeah. with this long Buffy has a a huge wardrobe of like big heavy coats for yeah, southern california yeah. which yeah really right. i mean they look well great, you know but... she's a, she's constantly on a diet she's obviously cold <laughs> she has no body fat well that is a real thing. thing if you're not eating yeah. you're gonna be freezing yeah. so okay all right uh now yeah. i'm depressed um <laughs> arg the patriarchy God arg, damn yeah it. let's start, move right into that right yeah jesus yeah yeah i mean the whole the whole damn all of it, uh, like all of it, not just the Watchers mm-hmm. Council, not just, you know, <laughs> not just Wesley telling Buffy to fetch the amulet. <laughs> Run this errand for me, Slayer. Like, yes. oh, Wesley, Wesley is like the baby patriarchy, you know, <laughs> like patriarchy, patriarchy junior playing in his dad's ties, you know, yep. like it's just. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole, I mean, Pretty much everything we talked about, everything I ranted about, that's all, you know, all outgrowths of the patriarchy. Fun. All outgrowths of the patriarchy. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. uh, So we got anything for girl power? I mean, basically, I think everything faith is girl power. (laughs) Yeah. Be gay to Um, crime. (laughs) If I wanted to point to a moment, though, uh, it's Buffy and Faith de-handcuffing each other. Right. <laughs> back to back undoing each other's handcuffs is pretty great. <laughs> Something there's there that that sparked a certain joy in me. How about that? Yes. 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 No, it yes. was. It was really, really fun. I think yeah, I think the whole thing is it I mean, when we talk about girl power, this whole thing is girl power and leaning in to girl power when you shouldn't because it's bad, you know? Um, And I mean, yes, like there are things breaking into the hardware store is bad. Stealing stuff is bad. Killing Alan is bad. Fine. But I mean, overall, I think we're associating all of those actual textual bad things with this kind of presumptive bad, which is be in charge of your sexuality. Bad. Enjoy sex. Bad. Use men for sex instead of letting them use you for sex. Bad. Um, You know, want to have gay sex with your slayer girlfriend bad yeah right enjoy being good at stuff being powerful Yeah. yeah yes absolutely and i mean girl power this whole thing is about girl power and it is about shaming like feminine power and i find that a little bit 
disappointing, you know, because we are associating things that are textually and straightforwardly bad with a lot of other things that aren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Yep. So that bothers me a little bit. But what's your favorite part, Noelle? <laughs> I think it's got to be Faith's poetic grunting. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to attempt to do it because I am no Eliza Dushku, but she really goes for it and it's great. And she clearly like there is there is joie de vivre there and it delights me. What's your favorite part? Oh, for me, it's extra textual, but it's this, it's Wesley. It's Wesley being introduced into, I cannot live in a world where I don't know everything that Wesley will become. And Wesley's arc is one of my favorite character arcs in all of storytelling, not just the Buffy verse, but like all of storytelling. Wesley's arc is fabulous and I love him so much. So to see him come in, to see the first moment that he and Angel ever met, I love it to see the first moment that he and Faith meet, knowing what's going to happen between them in like a year, in less yeah. than a year's time over an angel, that stuff's going to happen. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of wild and uh, really, really fun to see Wesley. But if I'm talking about stuff that is not extra textual, I have to say it is sexy Giles swinging that sword because hello. <laughs> hello, sword Giles. Hello, sword Giles. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dine Rich and Noel at Noel Allowed and use the hashtag stillpretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons whose attachment to the Slayer is not a problem. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by diving into a manhole and forcing Buffy to come after you because if she doesn't, you might die. <laughs> we will be back next time with Consequences, the 15th episode of season three. Until then, hey, girlfriend, bad time. Bad time.